This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. And we're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. This is our last show of July. And it is the last show we're doing before the start of the new Premier League season, SK. We're taking uh, next week's show off. So we will be back uh, two weeks after this. And by then, the new season will have kicked off. It's uh, obviously it's a distraction. It's a fun distraction. There is a trend, though which uh which in in the game which speaks to a a broader global trend and that is uh the Saudi soccer league is paying stupid amounts of money to bring in players who are maybe not in their prime but not too far past it and uh all I can say is Saudi Saudi Omane, welcome to the multipolar world. <laughs> I I I do who was it I saw on Twitter complaining that like that the stars don't go to MLS? I think it was Nate Silver or something about how mm-hmm. like and there is there is a there is a kernel of truth there in the sense that like the US could have a pretty hefty public investment fund <laughs> if it wanted to <laughs> and could be giving crazy amounts of money to Kylian Mbappe to come play. But instead we just let like all that wealth be dispersed among various multinational corporations who hoard it and enrich their shareholders. And I'm not saying that like we we should have a public investment fund that spends money on Kylian Mbappe, but I think that would be better than what we currently have. <laughs> Hey, I mean, Lionel Messi in the MLS is like alone as big of a deal as like six of those players combined. So I I would not write off the MLS yet. Uh, And Nate Silver, I believe, also said that the MLS should basically combine with European leagues and... He called them franchises, which if he did that at a pub in England, he might get glassed for <laughs> suggesting that and, and calling soccer football clubs franchises. Um, so uh, Nate Silver, go to England. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this uh, it, it is... Uh, I don't know. I mean, this feels different. I know there have been instances in the past where, like, for example, there was this uh, there was this Russian team in Chechnya that had stupid amounts of money to spend. uh, You know, that was making waves like 15 or 16 years ago. This feels a little different, like. Mohammed bin Salman started his reign as the guy who killed Jamal Khashoggi, everyone knew that. And and he has just turned on the money faucet to, you know, uh, to try to make everyone forget. And I mean, it's, 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 you know, countries in, in Asia and 
South America, they're getting more powerful. It's it's clearly becoming, you know, the the unipolar power that had been projected first from Western Europe, then the United States. Uh, it's waning, and this is indicative of that. And please do not uh, DM me or tweet at me to ask me to explain any further. <laughs> These soccer players, though, they do have to consider some like quality of life issues to go play in like an authoritarian state like Saudi Arabia that has some pretty backwards laws. And I'm not saying that like, you know, London is a great place to live either, or like the, <laughs> the height of freedom. But compared to Saudi, it, it is. And you do see a lot of players who to them money is not an issue like Lionel Messi, like Mbappe, being like, no, fuck that, I'm good, and uh, going elsewhere. And I think with in Messi's case especially, uh, it was an issue of he didn't want to live in Saudi Arabia, he'd much rather live in Miami. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. And, um, you know, which Jordan might, Which might backfire in a few decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sea levels are still, you know, by the time his career is over, I think... Uh, he will be, uh, it won't affect his life <laughs> that much yeah. uh, when Miami goes underwater. But um, yeah, Jordan Henderson, the former Liverpool captain, uh, he has signed with a Saudi club. And if I understand this correctly, the club tweeted out a, 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 um, or posted a, one of their social channels, a, a, a photograph of him. And his captain's armband was uh, edited out of the photo, like like Trotsky, uh, because it was the rainbow oh, respect God. the uh, anti homophobia thing that the Premier League was doing. Hmm. So I mean, that's just you know, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of uh, rising waters in Miami. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Uh, Every branch of government is now behind the Mountain Valley Pipeline. First, it was Congress when they, uh, when the House Republicans put a gun to everyone's head and said, we're going to engineer a, a sovereign default. And uh, then in the ensuing omnibus legislation, uh, Congress inserted, uh, at the behest of Joe Manchin, inserted language saying, uh, we approve of the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Get it done. Uh, we don't really care that the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals is like saying hell no, pointing to a range of environmental laws. We need to get this done. And of course, then President Biden followed suit. He signed the debt ceiling uh, bill into law. He was 100% behind it. And then again, in a, uh, a court case involving Mountain Valley Pipeline, LLC, we talked about it last week, uh, President Obama's Solicitor General, Don Verrilli, he was, he's listed as the lead attorney representing Mountain Valley Pipeline, LLC. Uh, just a reminder of uh, how much hope and change Obama brought. And sure enough, uh, Biden's Solicitor General also wrote a petition, uh, filed a brief backing the project, saying, get it done. We we want this done. Uh, so there's really little drama when the court, the Supreme Court itself issued its ruling on Thursday, 
making it a trifecta. Um, sometimes in these uh, these rulings uh, in the so-called shadow docket, because there there were no oral arguments, there were no um, you know the case wasn't teased out. This was an emergency petition. Um, sometimes in these cases, a dissenting voice will sign their name to an opinion saying this sucks and uh, not on Thursday. So none of the three liberal justices uh, saw it fit fit to say, not really cool with this, but c'est la vie. So three for three, every branch of the U.S. government now wants the Mountain Valley Pipeline built. It's official. Of course, people are still fighting this thing and it's it's doubtful they will give up despite the ruling. Pipeline construction has been stopped by activists sitting in trees. Uh, they did it in shifts for 932 days, only to be arrested in 2021 by Virginia State Police officers, who, by the way, were being heckled by community members while, while these uh, they were just following orders. The sit-in lasted three winters. It was reportedly the longest of its kind in U.S. history. Uh, in that vein, I don't see activists giving up. No, not at all. The pipeline is set to cross some pretty iconic natural landmarks, including the Appalachian Trail and the Blue Ridge Mountains, which uh, maybe Joe Manchin doesn't care that I'm upset or that environmentalists are upset, but I don't know, maybe he cares that John Denver is probably turning in his grave. Manchin's yacht is uh, called Almost Heaven, which, of course, is from Denver's famous song, Country Roads Take Me Home, and the lyrics go, Almost Heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. So I'm, I'm not saying there's a curse on Manchin's yacht now, but if it does sink, look for a ghost with an acoustic guitar running away laughing. <laughs> that would also make a great sequel to How to Blow Up a Pipeline, How to Sink Joe Manchin's Yacht. <laughs> parody, Minecraft, parody. Now, some people say that it's boring to talk about the weather. To those people, I say, go outside. July, which ends Monday, is set to be the hottest month of global temperatures ever recorded. That's according to the European Union's Climate Monitoring Agency. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez reacted to the finding by saying, quote, the era of global warming has ended. The era of global boiling has arrived. Is that, is hmm. that a bad thing? <laughs> it seems like a bad thing. In Florida, ocean temperatures may have set a world record this week at 101 degrees Fahrenheit, which is basically a hot tub. In South America, Uruguay is suffering water shortages impacting millions. India got hit with a heat wave this summer that killed just under 100 people, at least. Local media reports indicate that agricultural work has needed to grind to a halt. And in Mexico, extreme heat has killed about 250 people this summer. Countries around the Mediterranean are being ravaged by wildfires burning in Sicily, Greece, Turkey, Algeria, and Tunisia. Temperatures are hotter this summer than they normally would have been because we've just started the El Nino cycle. But you know what? Either way, the old planetary future 
mm, that's one thing I'm not hot about. No, no. And this pipeline is getting approved. This pipeline that's going to spew emissions equivalent to like dozens of coal-fired power plants or millions of gas-guzzling cars. Amid this record heat wave that you're talking about, plus these two stories that came out this week that are both fucking frightening as hell, one of them that was published in the journal Nature about how critical currents in the Atlantic Ocean that bring, uh, they're the AMOC currents. Don't ask me to uh, to tell you what that means. It's Atlantic Meridional Current something. But uh, they basically bring warm water from the tropics up to uh, the North Atlantic. And these currents... It, it, it's the Gulf Current. It's the Gulf Stream. It's not quite the Gulf Stream. Oh, it's, right. Okay. It's a different. It's like a... It's like a segment of the Gulf Stream, but uh, it does factor heavily into the climate of the North Atlantic. And as glaciers melt, it changes the salinity in the ocean and it's changing this current. And these researchers say that this current could shut down as soon as 2025, but they have a, with 95% certainty it will shut down before the end of this century so by 2100 uh which will have a seriously destabilizing effect for climate around the world uh, it will lead to cities uh, on the atlantic coast drowning it'll lead to changes in rainfall that could affect crop growth in africa and in asia so yeah this is a pretty big deal this is one of the major tipping points that People who warn about the consequences of global warming are talking about that, that we're approaching tipping points that once crossed, we can't go back. Uh, this is one of them. And another one came out of the uh, Department of Agriculture, a study, which this is something I wasn't even fucking aware of that I even had to worry about. Uh, uh oh. Forests are losing their ability to hold carbon. Uh, mm. Forests are a major part of Earth's carbon recycling process. Uh, when you hear people talk about net zero emissions, they still talk about polluting, but they're going to go plant forests elsewhere around the world to capture some of those carbon emissions. Well, yeah, that might just, not even work anymore. I was just thinking they're already scammy enough. The, the carbon <laughs> credit thing. And now the, the entire market is just going to collapse. I'm just going to read from this Scientific American article. U.S. forests could worsen global warming instead of easing it because they are being destroyed by natural disasters and are losing their ability to absorb planet warming gases as they get older. A new agriculture department report says the report predicts that the ability of forests to absorb carbon will start plummeting after 2025. <laughs> it's like in two years. And that forests could emit up to 100 million metric tons of carbon a year as their emissions from decaying trees exceed their carbon absorption. Oh my God. Forests could become a, quote, substantial carbon source by 2070, the report says. U.S. forests currently absorb 11% of U.S. carbon emissions or 150 million metric tons of carbon a year. That's the equivalent of 40 coal power plants. 
That's what they're currently doing. These forests are soon they'll be adding emissions. So they won't be counteracting emissions. They'll be adding to those emissions substantial amounts. Man, my my daughter is going to be like almost 50 years old in 2070. That this this uh fuck. Yeah, that's yeah, this is probably this one's scary. This one's scary. Like it with with the with the current one like that's scary, but in sort of a chaos adaptable way. The the story about our forest no longer reliably cycling carbon, that's like doomsday. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but I think we need to uh, lecture socialists about why they shouldn't tell people to expect to consume fewer bananas uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the next 15 years. Uh, do we need to talk about uh, maybe the aliens will save us from all this? At least that's oh, please. Uh, we've got this UFO guy that was probably got the most buzz of anything going on on Capitol Hill this week. I want to believe I will say that I want to believe. However, I don't No. Well, yeah, no, I'm in the same. I'm in the same position here. David Grush. This is the guy. Former uh, Pentagon intelligence official who spoke to reporters few months ago about how he's interviewed people within these as a as as part of his official government job he interviewed people who are aware and have interacted with crafts of non-human origin who talked about government programs dating back decades to reverse engineer technology from these crafts that non-human biologics have been discovered in these crafts that People have potentially been murdered by the government to keep these secret, that people have been injured by UFOs themselves. So lots of shocking stuff this guy has has said to reporters. Well, he said a lot of it under oath in front of lawmakers this week. I don't know what's going on here. Like this guy is either fuck it, lying, doesn't give a shit and is trying to make money and fame and is not at all concerned and knows that a congress that a committee full of people like Tim Burchett, Matt Gates and uh Paulina Luna will will buy into it so hard that they won't even investigate him for potentially lying to congress. <laughs> he either either that's happening B he might be getting misled by people to what end I don't know what that end would be. I mean, that would, in and of itself, obviously, be a big story, although maybe they're just doing it to fuck with him and don't have any, <laughs> like, motives. But still, I, I will just say very briefly, I don't want to see this guy get prosecuted for lying to Congress, even if he is. Like, you're going to yeah. go after the UFO guy and not, like, James Clapper or any of the Bush administration officials? Just, like, this looks worse for Republicans. Like, they invited this guy in. You know, they were, as you said, they were like fawning over him being like, whoa, dude. And no one goes to jail for this shit. So like, why this no. guy? Yeah, definitely not. Let David cook. Okay. Let him go around. Let him say, tell his stories. Let him like, I, I know people, people look at this as, as like nefarious in the sense that, oh, this is the Pentagon pulling strings to get more money for this research. <laughs> and it's like, I don't buy that. 
Like, I just don't buy that because one, the Pentagon can get all the money it wants from Congress. It doesn't need aliens as an excuse. Two, if it did need an excuse, it would just say that UFOs are actually China and China is spying on us, invading yeah. our sovereign territory. We need to really ramp up. We need a Manhattan Project, right? new Manhattan Project to to reach their capabilities. Right. They would be they would be saying what you think are alien aircraft are actually Chinese military experiments like the like the balloon of death. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we need to double the Pentagon's budget. But yeah, the, no, that that that's a point well made. The disclosures here, though, you know, make an opposite argument. I mean, the, the witnesses here are saying that these are definitely not adversaries who are controlling these crafts and the way that that these hearings are conducted. It is these Pentagon programs and agencies and officials who Congress is is accusing of lying and not being transparent in their dealings, which is not a way you then ask Congress to give you more money. So I don't think it's a government op here that's going on. I do think that there's two potential things happening here, assuming it's not aliens, <laughs> which... Of course, I want to believe. One, the private sector is getting really involved in UFO hunting now. You're seeing a lot of non-governmental organizations involved in this sort of research. So naturally, you're going to have a lot of PR and marketing about how UFOs are a thing to then raise money for these government and for these non-government entities, like the one that Tom DeLong, the Blink-182 guy, is involved in. Oh, yeah, with John Podesta, too, right? Is John, Isn't John Podesta maybe he involved is. in Yeah, he might be involved in that. So I think that could definitely be what's going on. A lot of the buzz you're seeing are people who are in government now going to the private sector and then kind of hyping up some things that they might have seen as UFO claims. The second thing, Republicans are taking a real serious interest in this story right now out of a way of maybe casting Biden as like this deep state guy who's hiding the truth about UFOs as a way just to like, as just yet another... Another way to attack Biden heading into an election season. Get the cranks thinking that he's hiding the secrets of UFOs and that Republicans might be the ones who are who are going to disclose this stuff. So that might be another one. But it is worth mentioning that Jared Moskowitz, a Democrat on this panel, is also joining up with Burchett, Gates and Luna on a lot of these efforts to bring some transparency or at least try to verify claims that Grush has made by allowing him into a skiff to make these claims or subpoenaing people who might be, who Grush has pointed to or named as he's claimed he has to the intelligence committees and the Pentagon inspector general. Some of the most interesting thing he claimed was that, that a way that these black ops programs that are reverse engineering UFOs are funded is that private contractors are overcharging the government for services that are on the books. And then that excess charge is actually then being funneled to these other programs that are not on the books that are then being run by these contractors. And Grush claimed he has all the names of the contractors and he's provided them to the intelligence committees and the inspector general. So again, there are people, there are members of Congress who apparently have this information. So it should be verifiable. And any one of them can come forward and just say, yeah, checked it out. This guy's a crank. He's or 
this guy didn't give us anything. He's lying. But so far, no one said anything. Definitely one to keep an eye on. And like you said, should be pretty fucking open or shut. <laughs> All right. Uh, one last uh, story back to Earth. The cruel, cruel Earth. Almost 4 million people have lost their Medicaid insurance as a result of this great unwinding from the COVID public health emergency. Since Congress and the Biden administration declared it was over, the expanded Medicaid roles have since contracted. And mainly not because people aren't eligible, but mainly just because they didn't fill out the right paperwork to stay in the program. This is from the Washington Post, quote, the 3.8 million, the most thorough tally, is an undercount reflecting only people who have lost coverage so far in 38 states that have voluntarily made public their data from this sorting process known as Medicaid unwinding. Um, basically, everybody was kicked off Medicaid and then had to reapply. So you have a lot of people who've never had to apply, at least haven't had to apply for years, suddenly not knowing they have to apply again. So at least 4 million, the number is probably significantly higher. Uh, and a lot of this pain is being done at a state level with uh, uh, conservative legislatures and governors taking a real, taking an ax to these roles when they could be more careful. But the Biden administration does have some power to ensure that people aren't being kicked off the rolls for, for no good reason. And there are Democrats in Congress who are criticizing Biden for not being more assertive to stop governors from improperly disenrolling people. I mean, this is also one of those issues that he could do a lot to address just by literally addressing it. Like yeah. if he gave a speech saying you might be getting kicked off your Medicaid, you need to re-enroll. I think that would you know, obviously it wouldn't reach everyone who's affected, but I think it would yeah. probably do some, uh, do a dent or two if he yeah. like really stuck to that message. <laughs> yes. But, but as we'll get into later in the show, we are perhaps overestimating Biden's power uh, to convince people with his oratory skills. All right, let's get to our file follies for this week. Uh, what do you got, SK? Wall Street lobbyists are set to swarm Washington like locusts, more than they already do, that is. On Thursday, major bank regulators unveiled one prong in their response to the spring mini-crisis sparked by Silicon Valley Bank's collapse. They asked for comment on a proposal to tighten the screws on the largest banks in the country. Here's how it was described by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, quote, Following the banking turmoil in March 2023, the proposal seeks to further strengthen the banking system by applying a broader set of capital requirements to more large banks. The proposal would generally apply to banks with $100 billion or more in total assets. Community banks would not be impacted. One fact that brought forth this regulatory push is the fact that Silicon Valley Bank was using bogus risk models, which was something the Federal Reserve knew in November, a solid four months before the implosion from the Federal Register filing, quote, 
The revision set forth in the proposal would improve the calculation of risk-based capital requirements to better reflect the risks of these banking organizations. Now, it kind of sounds like regulators have been going about their business for years with like inaccurate data. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Chicken Little here, but I get bad vibes from this especially when considering another action taken by the FDIC this week. The regulator sent out letters to every bank that it insures, basically saying, you're not telling the truth about how many uninsured deposits you have. Now, this is no small thing. If you recall, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed because almost 95% of its deposits were, were too large to qualify for FDIC insurance. And clients who held that money ran to withdraw it when news reports indicated that SVB was in trouble, which, of course, makes the trouble more likely. It makes it more of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the FDIC effectively said this week, banks are just straight up lying or otherwise just fudging their numbers or reporting inaccurate numbers to make it seem like they're not vulnerable to the same problems that brought one of the largest banks in the country to its knees. Now, it's not just a matter of appearances either, right? I mean, Silicon Valley Bank as well, it was an outlier in terms of like it had 95% of its deposits were, were greater than the insurance threshold. That was way above the industry average. But it's not just to make it seem like they're doing better than they are because these banks are saving millions of dollars in insurance premiums paid to the FDIC, to the public, to you and me, because they're underreporting these uninsured deposits. Well, now, incredibly... Like, as soon as they realized they'd be on the hook to pay more money, like, actually, we got to recalculate our uninsured deposits here. Now, the agency's response, per the letter sent this week, was... Um, Please fix this soon. <laughs> I'll quote from it now. Incorrectly reported insurance deposits should amend their call reports by making the appropriate changes to the data and submitting the revised data file to the central data repository using the same processes as the original filing. Institutions can submit up to three years of revisions or more, if appropriate. So if you've, if you've been reporting incorrect levels of uninsured deposits for three years or more? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's okay to question the banking system, the, the integrity of the system on a fundamental level here. So yeah, um, I'm not saying put all your money under a mattress. Um, I'm just saying, you know, these people, you can't trust them. Um, you can't trust them further than you can throw them. And you won't be able to throw them very far because uh, a lot of them have security details, I guess. Unsurprisingly, uh, lobbyists are crying. The American Bankers Association reacted to the uh, capital requirement rule proposal saying, quote, the negative, or, or by denouncing, quote, the negative economic consequences that come with forcing already strong banks to hold more capital. Yes, already strong. Uh, now pee in the cup. 
pee in a cup. This is it. it it's uh, it, it's accounting steroids is is what it is. And you know, now that I think about it, I think that the tech industry should help regulators come up with a piss-based stress test. Here's your cup, Mr. Diamond. And we're going to have to watch you pee in it, too. Jamie, don't try any funny business. Yeah. Pull that dick out. <laughs> don't, don't None of that rubber dick business. You got to see it. Whip it out, Jamie. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, SK. As always, you can DM us, email us, whatever, if you have any FOIA requests or any interesting files you come across. Interns, bring out that garbage can. Oof. Mm. Oh. 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 It's, uh, Mitch McConnell's diapers are in there. You know, I, w- I was thinking of going with colostomy bag, but I guess that's Steve Scalise, huh? <laughs> Speaking of a rubber dick. Garbage candidate number one, it's Elon Musk, of course, Groundhog Day, garbage candidacy. This is a pretty wild story in Reuters, just Musk committing mass fraud as usual. Reportedly, Tesla rigged the dashboard readouts on its electric cards to show that the car had far more mileage projections than it actually had so that people would feel good. The problem is, when people realize that they didn't actually have as much mileage as the dashboard initially told them they did, they ended up into some pretty shitty situations. So they ended up complaining to the company about the fraudulent reading on their dashboards. And since Musk knew that they were fraudulent, he had to come up with some way to not have to deal with them. So basically what 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 Musk did is he created this team that would handle all requests from people to have their cars brought in to check if their gauges were correct. He had this team cancel those cancel those appointments by sending them text messages, sending the people who were complaining about their cars text messages saying that remote diagnostics remote diagnostics had determined the battery was fine. We are going to cancel your visit. The Austin, Texas-based electric car maker, quote, deployed the team because its service centers were inundated with appointments from owners who had expected better performance based on the company's advertised estimates and the projections displayed by the in-dash range meters of the cars themselves. Inside the Nevada team's office, some employees celebrated canceling service appointments by putting their phone on mute and striking a metal xylophone, triggering applause from coworkers who sometimes stood on desks. Jesus Christ. The team often closed hundreds of cases a week and staffers were tracked on their average number of diverted appointments per day. Managers told the employees they were saving Tesla about $1,000 for every canceled appointment. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm glad this guy is running the uh, rocket ship program now. Isn't that great? This is somehow not even the worst thing that came out about Elon Musk this week. Uh, The absolute worst thing is he reinstated an account on Twitter that 
was posting like child snuff videos. So, yeah, I mean, it's not an original observation, but it's just uh, more reinforcement that every uh, accusation from the right is a confession. All this pedo groomer stuff. And like Elon's just like, you know, this child uh, death porn guy is he's fine. Let him on the website. And before anybody tries to defend the child death porn guy by saying, oh, he was just posting it to raise awareness or something like that against this. He burned his like branded watermark into the picture so that as it gets spread around, people will know where it came from. And Musk reinstated this guy's account. Wow. All right. Garbage candidate number two. The American gerontocracy. <laughs> what a week. What a week it's been for our our leaders. Uh, do you do you know what happened to Mitch McConnell? Like, do you have any guess on what happened there? Because it really looked like he had a mini stroke. Uh, maybe he was just having a sex fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> or he was trying to hold back a shark, or he fell asleep while standing up and uh, his eyes were still open and he suffered from one of those sleep demons. Mm. Uh, that could be it. Uh, then we also had <laughs> Diane Feinstein who was in a, a committee session during a roll call vote. And when she heard her name called, she had no idea what to do and just started giving a speech. She had to have a staffer, Tap her on the shoulder saying, no, 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 just vote I. Just say I. Say I. And she kept talking. He had to, like, say it a couple times. Yeah, I mean, the, the Pelosi's were about to pull out the... the I, I can't even make that joke. It's, it's, it's really hard to watch. It really is. And then you had uh, the president himself last week meeting, meeting with the Israeli president. And... Nearly falling asleep and mumbling incoherently during segments of the conversation. Well, hey, at least he picked the right uh, uh, president to, to do that in front of. Uh, and then he probably woke up and gave him like a few billion dollars and some weapons. Yeah. Uh, the, the Republic is in safe hands, though, as everyone can see. Garbage candidate number three, it's Prager U. This is the... Uh, online right-wing propaganda outlet, which is now going to be featured in Florida public school curriculum. PragerU has been deemed an official education vendor by the state. At least this is what PragerU is claiming. So now teachers can incorporate propaganda videos into their lesson plans. Kids can learn about things like why colonialism was good, how slavery was beneficial to slaves, and, of course, the virtues of supply-side economics and why Reagan was right about everything. Um, yeah. Man. Um, at least Florida will be the first to sink. I don't know. That's... Uh, boo. 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 In a related story, garbage candidate number four, it's the New York Times, which invited 
right-wing disinformation agent Chris Rufo on to write an op-ed about how DEI is destroying public education. For those who don't know, Rufo is basically the inventor of the critical race theory hysteria on the right. And there's people who defend this saying, oh, well, Rufo is a prominent guy. We need to hear what he's saying. We need to know people need to know what he's saying. No, they don't. He's a fucking Nazi. It's incoherent what he's saying. Reminds me of like that quote from from Sartre about debating fascists like they're not trying to debate you. They're trying to trigger you. There's no consistency or coherence in their arguments. They don't care about that. They care about shocking people. They care about an eliminationist agenda. That's it. Yeah, I mean, the, the just, you know, he what he says is newsworthy is like it's so vacuous these days because like he he has a Twitter account, you know, it's not like. And I'm not saying that that argument would have been more valid back in, you know, the 20s or 30s when when social media didn't exist. But I'm just saying it's it's especially stupid. Yeah, yeah, and this dipshit was also on a uh, Ryan Grimm show too. Oh, great! And there's this obsession with debating these guys, like, oh, we need to bring them on and and show how we can deconstruct their arguments. No, you can just deconstruct their arguments if you care so much. Like, yeah, you, you, you can say fucking Rufo said this. This is why he's a dipshit Nazi. We don't. You don't need to have him on where you engage in these pleasantries. Be like, oh, this guy's actually, you know, he's a good writer. He's a very good writer. That's what that's what Grimm was telling him. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 if he if he's a good writer, he might be a good speaker. If you catch my drift, very I, good orator who knows how to get things done. Like, say for example, if the trains are running behind schedule. Got it. Garbage candidate number five, Pfizer. In case people don't know, there is a drug shortage right now. When it comes to treatments for syphilis, uh, the the penicillin-based treatment, bicillin, is not available in uh, sufficient quantities. So uh, it's now being rationed, primarily given to expectant mothers because syphilis can be spread from a mother to their child. And it can be pretty deadly in kids. So uh, we're rationing drugs. Pfizer is the lone company that makes this drug because we have a very uh, high functioning healthcare system in the country. And Pfizer has been making enormous profits over the last few years because of its COVID vaccine, but didn't decide it was necessary to invest in increasing the supply of its anti-syphilis drugs which had been depleted, depleted due to certain knock-on effects from the pandemic and a rise in strep throat in children, which required amoxicillin, but there was a shortage of that, so they used the bicillin. Now there's a shortage of bicillin. The shortage is supposed to last until 2024. Yeah, I know you you said this on Means Morning News, but like at least part of the pharmaceutical industry should be nationalized. 
for this reason, because decades old drugs, uh, they're just not that profitable, huh? Someone's got to fucking make them. Yeah. All right. Finally, garbage candidate number six, RFK Jr. returns, <laughs> who uh, sent out this tweet. Quote, since the assassination of my father in 1968, candidates for president are provided Secret Service protection, but not me. Typical turnaround time for pro forma protection requests from presidential candidates is 14 days after 88 days of no response. And after several follow ups by our campaign, the Biden administration just denied our request. Now, notice the 14 and the 88, which was a little weird, I thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is weird. I it, I th- think it's a coincidence. But... It's either a coincidence or it confirms that the RFK campaign has hired a groiper as a social media person because these okay, people are doing yeah, that... that shit all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I mean, he appeals to them. All his his money is coming from uh, right wing sickos. So, yes. I, I and don't he might think, not even like, know it like he might not right. know it and upper higher ups in the campaign not might not know it. But his social media person, whoever wrote this tweet. Probably knew it. I'm I don't know. You're right. It's It could be innocuous. Like, I don't know where he gets the day 14 days on average. Like, where does that number come from that it usually takes for candidates to hear back about secret? Like, I haven't heard that number before. Yeah, and he waits until true. 88 days to issue this tweet. Uh whatever it's weird yeah Yeah, no it for sure it is he could have whoever wrote that could have said two weeks but uh rfk jr goes on in the tweet and says our campaign's request included a 67 page report from the world's leading protection firm detailing unique and well-established security and safety risks aside from commonplace death threats so look bernie didn't get secret service protection when he ran the first time until 2016, like until we were on the verge of actually having primary contests. And he was yeah. a guy who actually had a chance to win. RFK Jr., some crank candidate who's mainly trying to appeal to right wingers, doesn't seem to be trying to win a Democratic primary at all. Yeah, I was going to say uh, independent of the um Nazi numerology, which now that we've talked about it, I I am more convinced that it's definitely deliberate, although might not have been um, he himself who did it. Yeah. Uh, independent of all that, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you don't get Secret Service, dude. Like, did Martin O'Malley get Secret Service? You know, did uh, did Tom Steyer get Secret Service? I don't think so. I will say that for as long as RFK Jr. is being denied Secret Service protection, someone has a chance to do the funniest thing possible. (laughs) Great. (laughs) All right. uh, Who's all right? Yeah, I just I just googled uh, Tom Steyer Secret Service. Does doesn't look like he got any. Just had to double check there. No. No. All right, garbage canning time. Who? Um, 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 um. 
think we, you know, let's, let's mix it up. Someone we haven't thrown in yet, you know, maybe like Prager U or the New York Times. I mean, I'm sure we've thrown in the New York Times before. Elon Musk is the worst, but we've thrown him in a dozen times before. Yeah, let's throw Prager U in. Prager U, you, you are going in the garbage, garbage can. Ah, uh, right in Diane Feinstein's diaper. That is the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. No show next week. We'll be back in two weeks. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.